0: Howdy! This is Don Self, and you're listening to Not Elsewhere Classified.
1: You are listening. You are listening. You are listening to. to Not to Not Elsewhere.
0: Not elsewhere. 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 Elsewhere Classified.
1: Welcome to Not Elsewhere Classified, a podcast about the medical coding, health information technology, and clinical documentation improvement community. I'm your host, Brian Kui. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode number 14. The first thing I want to announce is that we have reached over 10,000 downloads. So with that number, I do want to thank everybody who has listened, everybody who has been an interviewee and future guests, and also those who have shared our podcast, which comes to my next thing is thank you to the coding educators. Uh, I got word that somebody has shared our podcast And put it on a PowerPoint presentation and presented it to a coding department meeting, which is something that didn't really connect with me because my intention of creating the podcast was merely to share my conversations. Uh, never really thought uh, that it would be a resource. But, you know, with these conversations, uh, it tends to enlighten people to go in different directions or perhaps motivate people to do different things within their career. So uh, big shout out and love to our coding educators. The next thing I want to do is mention our proud partners. First is the Haugen Consulting Group. Uh, they recently had two events in January. Uh, sorting out significant procedures and also meet the new EVAR codes. Uh, remember that they do offer individual pricing and also group pricing. Uh, in February, they do have an event, February 15th, uh, called Chemicals, Drugs, and Substances. So please make sure to check out the slash shop and remember our promo code GEEK15 to get a 15% discount. I also want to mention RadRx and also Project Resume. Uh, make sure you go check them out, RadRx.com and also ProjectResume.net. Uh, if you want to look for more promotions with Medical Coding Geek, you can go to medicalcodinggeek.com slash promos. If you're interested in supporting the podcast and also becoming a partner with the Medical Coding Geek brand, you can also go to medicalcodinggeek.com partners. And another way to promote the podcast, of course, number one is sharing the podcast with others. If you feel this podcast adds any value to what you do and you want to share it with others, by all means, please share the podcast. Also, what you can do is go to medicalcodinggeek.com slash jobs. I'm sure there are many of you who are searching for jobs, so please use our our dedicated link to do your job search. If you go to the podcast notes for every episode that we have on the bottom, I do have a job alerts function. So you can enter your email and get emails on the newest job postings that are available for what you need, maybe in medical coding, health information management, or clinical documentation improvement. Today on the podcast, I have Don Self. Now, without revealing too much, uh, Don Self is a reimbursement consultant for the past 30 years. Uh, We do talk about a lot about reimbursement and billing. Uh, We do talk about common sense specialist uh, certification that you can use if you don't have a certification. Uh, Again, we talk about physician reimbursement. We talk about understanding the rules and regulations of reimbursement. Uh, we talk about how scrutinizing information may be the best thing you can do in obtaining information. Also, most importantly, the reason why I I had him on the podcast, and you'll hear it in, in the episode, is of his RV lifestyle. And so I'll talk about how we connected, how I got intrigued, and how I got him on the podcast. But most importantly, he talks about his checklist. What if you want to start this RV lifestyle? What are some things that you need to consider uh, when you're starting up or when you're finally going out there and doing it and traveling? So there's a lot of considerations and I've thought about it. I'm still thinking about it, but uh, it is a wonderful lifestyle to think about. So without further ado, here is my interview with Don Self. Enjoy. Welcome, everybody, to the Not Elsewhere Classified podcast, and today I have Don Self. So, welcome, Don. Thank you for being part of the podcast.
0: Thank you for having me.
1: (laughs) So, again, uh, for those, the reason why I'm saying again, because I had to press record on this one so it actually is a take two which is pretty funny but that's okay we i want to make sure that we capture all the errors and and all the bloopers and all the mistakes that, <laughs> that go with doing a podcast. gosh
0: anyways. Luckily, we're doing a recording rather than laughs so yeah no it's better correct. yeah it's
1: better than the finish and say um we didn't get it you know <laughs> so anyways so don is a uh again a medical reimbursement uh specialist he's a consultant but uh, just to give you an idea of how we met is actually I have a Facebook group again, medicalcodinggeeks.com coding dot com and medical coding Geeks, Sorry. And there are times where people in the group actually mention things about remote lifestyle. How can I be a remote coding specialist or how does a uh, doing remote work uh, work? You know, how does it function? And there were times where Don, there was actually two times. Uh, the first time Don says, well, I do this from my RV. And the first time it didn't, you know, I'm like, really? I'm like, okay. And at the time I didn't have the podcast running. And then I cr- I started creating the podcast. I'm looking for a guest. And then the same type of topic comes again. And then he says, well, I do this from my RV. I travel around the country and I'm like, oh my goodness, I got to have this guy on the podcast. So I call him up and we have a pre-conversation as I always do with people that I plan to interview and I was totally blown away. Uh, I'm I'm totally envious, Don. <laughs> I'm totally envious So <laughs> when you told me. I mean, I was just standing there like staring into the space, staring into the sky. I'm like, this could be a potential thing for me you know, and uh, definitely these are things that I want you to talk to people about, because especially this is a certain lifestyle uh, that we'll definitely get to. So, from the top, Don. Yes, sir. (laughs) Tell us, tell the audience uh, about yourself and how you came to be.
0: Okay. uh, About 32 years ago, I uh, was selling forms to doctors called Superbills and pegboard Systems. And uh, the folks that are old enough to remember those, uh, you remember how, how much fun they used to be before all the computers. And I uh, started consulting uh, after I had a long conversation with a good friend of mine who said, Don, you can be a consultant and help doctors all over the country, but just always make sure that uh, the doctor is going to get more in service than you get in compensation. And I've always applied that, which is why I've always had a money-back guarantee that docs don't pay me unless they're pleased. I'm I'm one of the few consultants that do not work off of a contract because I believe in handshake. And years ago, around 2000, we ended up getting an RV. And what an RV is, by the way, for those folks that may be wondering, is a recreational vehicle. You've seen them going down the highway, a big old motorhome, that's called a Class A, and then a big old travel trailer uh, behind a truck or a car. And then we happened to pull a... uh, 43-foot fifth wheel around behind our pickup around the country as I'm consulting. And as I'm traveling around the country, I'm uh, doing seminars or teaching doctors on uh, how to stay out of trouble with Medicare or identifying services that they're not providing that Medicare wants them to do or just identifying services that they're doing and not paying mean uh, they're not billing, forgive me. And I find that almost every office I'm in has some things that they're doing and not billing because they didn't know that they could. And this has ended up blessing my wife and I, who, while I'm uh, traveling around working, she's quilting and making quilts for kids. And we just uh, travel together and have a great time. I'm a very blessed man, Brian.
1: Well, that's great. So, let me talk about your education. So let's talk about that. What 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 terms of your your educational background, your credentials? What do you have in terms of that that can support your uh, experience as your uh, professional uh, reimbursement?
0: Well, it's interesting. I've got a couple of years of college uh, because I wanted the Navy uh, veteran benefits to help me oh, while okay. I was opening my company. So. I uh, used the veteran benefits to make $500 something a month going to college, but uh-huh. none of the college courses were related to my medical reimbursement business. Uh-huh. These were all related to other business, just plain old business courses, so I could learn how to be a businessman. Mm-hmm. Um, I basically am self-taught. I've attended a lot of seminars back in the early 80s and ever since, taught by Medicare and CMS and made friends at Medicare and went and picked their brains. You could always take a Medicare employee out to lunch mm. and pick their brains where you couldn't take a, a HICFA or CMS employee out. Uh, mm. That was illegal
1: Oh, because
0: oh. uh, they were federal employees, oh, and yeah. the Medicare employees were employees of local insurance cares. And I'm pretty much self-taught, uh, so but no- yet I read a lot.
1: <laughs> so, so no certifications at all?
0: Well, the only certification I have is I figured out in the early 90s that doctors like to deal with people with letters after their name. So I created CSS and put that on my business cards and uh, never had a doctor ask me what it stood for. But it always stood for common sense specialists. Oh,
1: there you go, man. So so if for anybody who is seeking a credential, just talk to Don Self because he'll give you one CSS common sense a uh, professional or common sense specialist. So that makes a good point, is the fact that people think you need a, a credential. Now, um, I think everybody now in the industries is drawn to that. Oh, I have to have a credential in order to get a job. Uh, I just had a... An interviewee just two hours ago, we just talked about that. Her, her, her scenario is that she's gained a lot of experience, you know, in medical assisting and other things, even in radio too, I just found out. Uh, so she has a little bit of a broadcasting background. But regardless, her experience has led her to into being a director of HIM. And with her experience, but she doesn't even have a bachelor's in HIM. She doesn't have a uh, credential. Her RHIA. She just managed to do that with her experience. Uh, But regardless, she's still she's going to school today. But the fact is is that she got into a position without one, which makes a good point for those that are listening. Is you know, it's a matter of what you know and how you apply it and how you utilize it. You know, and, and I think with a CCS or whatever, CCS, CPC, whatever credential, uh, is the fact that is it really the credential special? Does it make you seem like a specialist? Do you really know uh, after you take a credential? Did you have anything to add on that, uh, Don?
0: Yeah, I've seen a lot of people, and I've I've been on the Internet since, what, 92 or something like that. I've had a website since 94. And listservs like Back in yours. the AOL days? <laughs> yeah, back in the AOL days, even before AOL. <laughs> back in CompuServe.
1: Oh, my <laughs> back gosh. And all of those. Oh, my gosh.
0: You know, and, and log it on. And the dial-up. The dial-up, exactly. I've been doing this all, all since then. And it's it surprised me how many people will post out there that, I need to uh, I, I, I need to become smarter about what I'm doing so I'm getting a credential, as if the credential indicates that they're smarter. Uh, now, credential indicates to me that they've met criteria from some kind of a governing body, whether or not it's the APC, AHEMA, whoever, PAX, PACOM, et cetera. There's you know, a multitude of, of letters out there. But it doesn't necessarily mean to me, based on experience and working with them, that they know everything that they need to know. They know what the credentialing body wants them to pass a test on. But I've seen non-credentialed people do a phenomenal job. I've seen credentialed people do a phenomenal job, but I've also seen credentialed people end up costing a practice 80000 a $100,000 a year because they're missing things because they've kept doing things the way they've always done them. In fact, Brian, let me if you don't mind, if we have time, I want to sure. tell you a little quick story. you here. got all
1: the time you want. <laughs>
0: Well, thank you. Uh, it was—it's like a lot of times when I'm dealing with the different people in the medical offices, whether or not it be a doctor, office manager, biller, etc. I find the same kind of an attitude as the, uh, as exemplified by this story. A man walks into his kitchen and he sees his wife cooking, and she takes a ham and cuts the end of the ham off and sticks the ham in a pan, sticks it in the oven, and he says, "Honey, why'd you cut the end of the ham off? It looks like good." meat right here and she said my mother taught me how to cook and that's how I've always done it so he asked his mother-in-law who happened to be staying with him that weekend why do you cut the end off the ham and she said my mother taught me how to cook and that's how I've always done it and this guy's like a dog you know who won't go with a bone he gets on the phone and calls his wife's grandmother in Nebraska and says granny why do you cut the end off the ham granny's quiet for a minute and then kind of starts laughing and says you know I haven't done that since 62 when papa bought me the bigger cookware Yet today, we keep doing things a certain way. We keep relying on credentials. We keep missing certain codes. We keep doing things a certain way because there was a need at one point, even though there's not anymore. So when I am consulting with people, whether or not they have credentials or not, you may find that uh, some of the credentials, are, they don't really identify who the person is. And some people, I believe, the more credentials they have behind their name makes them feel more special or makes them identify who they are. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Does that make sense?
1: No, right. I think they're missing the point is is the credentials don't make the professional. It's the person that makes the
0: professional. Exactly. You know? That's a good way of putting it, bro. Right.
1: And and I think the idea is it's, it's not the fact of obtaining it. It's a ma- the next question. Well, the challenge has always been, Okay, I'm obtaining it, but then okay, great. You 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 like I you know in my group and in, in both of the medical coding geeks and actually the RHIT and the RHIA group, they they like to post that they passed. Okay, and yeah, that's they that's, do. that's and,
0: and, and that's that's an accomplishment. I can understand of course, being proud Of course
1: it is, and we can't take that away from them. But you know, good, you graduated. Good, you passed your test. That's great. Okay, but then the 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 reality. Um, the reality comes and slaps you in the face <laughs> and says, okay, now what? All right? And keep in mind that reality, the real world, is not a kind uh, entity.
0: Oh, and, that is so true. You know, How many people have seen advertisements become a coder, get certified, and get a job immediately, and they go out and they spend $7,000 right. or $10,000 or $15,000, and they take a six-week, or eight-week course, and then they come out and say, okay, now what do I do? And right. They're fifteen thousand dollars poorer, yet they still don't have a job. Right, that's so sad.
1: Yeah, it is sad because it you know for those that you know in terms of job market, you know when they get very discouraged, you know of course you have a right, you know I'm not saying there is no I'm not taking away from anything, you know you have a right to get a job, but I think the true question is how are you doing it? Are you doing it in such a way? But then it comes down to your story. Are you doing it in the way that you've been taught? Or are you gonna be a person that is proactive to go out there and figure it out on your own? Which is again I'm always talking I mean just in the last episode. I keep on saying professional, but that's 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 what this driving factor of this of this uh, podcast is is the fact that it comes down to the bottom line of being you and what are you going to do you know not what else what everybody else does because you know in the groups everybody's always asking questions oh what would you do what would you do but then the real question that i asked them which i don't i think people don't like because it's the truth what are you gonna do you know what's the next step and what are you going to do to for your career? I'm not, you know, unfortunately, I can't pay your bills, <laughs> okay? So, you know, what are you going to do to better your lifestyle? What are you going to do to pay your bills and to move forward? Now, you know, transitioning to you, you've been remarkable to do this without credentials. Because of your drive, you know, the fact that you've been doing this for plus 30 years, and now you're living the lifestyle that I'm totally envious of. <laughs> <laughs> you know so well, it, thank you it's it's a total testament for those that are listening i mean it's i mean credentials are great fine you know i mean i'm not taking we're me and don are not taking away from this is the fact that you know what are you going to do you know it's it's you the person the self that needs to start acting on it and so far you've gone it up to a certain extent but then what are you going to do to keep on going to stay competitive, to stay on top of the market to remain marketable, and those are things that are very important, right? So, and that was a good unexpected uh, segment though. I It helps your
0: listeners. Yeah.
1: So, let's talk about your company, Don Self and Associates. So, let's take it a little while back. How what what made you decide to create a company of your own liking?
0: Uh Basically, I was, again, selling forms to doctors, and I saw doctors listening and getting advice from people they should not have gotten advice from on coding, on uh, what they can and cannot bill for. I mean, it's amazing how many times doctors are told, oh, we can't bill for this. Well, yes, you can. Well, just because we've never done it before, you had one carrier tonight, you may find the other 90% of the carriers do pay for it. And it really irritated me because doctors, by the time they go to medical school and they get out of medical school, that they are so uh, invested in debt right there, $160,000, $200,000 in debt, they need somebody that's going to be on their side to help them. Uh, and by, because of that, they needed somebody, and that's kind of where I came in to try to help them. And I started consulting from that regard. And, and whenever, whenever, again, whenever I'm working with these doctors, my policy is real simple. Doc, let me take a look at your practice. Let me identify some areas that you may or may not be billing in, or you may be flagging audits. And if I can't help you, you don't owe me a penny. And that's that's the the approach I've always taken. Now, do I, does that mean I help every doctor? No. Sometimes a doctor's got everybody helping, and they're doing a great job, and they, there's nothing I can improve on. Well, I may help them improve their income another, you know, thirty thousand uh, dollars, you know, ten thousand dollars a year, and I'll sit there and say, okay, you don't owe me anything because I didn't hit my twenty thousand a year minimum. And that's just the way I work, because he, they need help. And a lot of times, a doctor will hire a spouse to work in the practice. And the act of sticking a finger on the ring finger, uh, sticking a ring on the ring finger, automatically somehow imparts the wisdom and the knowledge of Frodo to be able to make them go out and do whatever they need to do. <laughs> They need help. Yes.
1: And, and, and you make a good point is, I mean, not to take away from physicians, but yes, physicians, you know, they get trained a certain way. They're trained in, you know, in medicine. Are they trained in business? The answer is no. But the idea is that these physicians, they decide, you know, um, maybe they don't want to be a hospitalist. Maybe they don't want to be employed and they decide to build their own business. Now, do they have the tools and what they need to build their business? The answer probably might be no. Now, we don't know. I mean, you know, you yourself, you've done this without credential. I'm sure they can do the same thing, you know, if they are resourceful. Now, most physicians are resourceful, but then there's some that are not. And I think that's where you fit the fit the bill is to find those that, like you say, truly uh, need help. And you make a very nice, uh, you know, I guess, uh, a point in your business that if I don't help you to a certain extent, then perhaps you don't need my services. It's the same way when I when I do the tutoring. Is, you know, I'm not going to accept everybody, okay? Because you know, somehow those people that can do it themselves, well, shoot, do it yourself, you know. And you know i it's it's like it's it's like the sensei mentality you, you know you watch yeah. those kung fu movies, and then you know the 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 student is in awe of you know what they can do, but then when they go to them, you know they have to prove themselves you know not necessarily prove themselves as a way but are is it is it is it, is it worth their time to take on a service like yours is it ta- is it worth your time to take a tutor you know a tutor to help you pass the exam you know if that's not the case, and if you could do this by yourself. You know, then kudos to you, you know. But the the question is is always, at least on your end, you want to light a path and say, are you doing you're doing it, but then are you doing it the right way? You know.
0: Exactly. So one of the things is Medicare puts out every year a report that lists every doctor's billing from the two years previous on every code they build out, how much they build, how many times they build that code, et cetera. And that's on every doctor in the country that build Medicare. And I download this. So when I'm talking to a doctor, I'll pull up their report while I'm talking to them and say, hey, by the way, doc, I noticed that you were not billing out for Are – billing code 17,000 but not 17,003. Did you not know that that's for each additional lesion? Or, uh, Doc, you're not billing out annual wellness visits, so you're doing annual wellness visits but only on 7% of your patients. They don't know what they don't know. That's the, that's the key point. And that's why I, I, I take such pleasure in what I'm doing is trying to help them from that regard. Uh, And, again, there's some docs I have turned them into because I've showed them that they're doing something wrong, and they want to continue doing so, and I will turn them into Medicare. I've done that before because I'm going to show them what's right, and if they continue to defraud Medicare or do something illegal, well, that's my tax dollars they're spending, and I pay a lot of taxes, and I don't no, put right. up with and,
1: that. Um, I guess I think it's that it's that moment when they finally see, you know, oh, okay. Oh, so, like, you know, I'm basically leaving money on this table, or, you know, I shouldn't be, you know, upcoding this and hopefully, <laughs> you know, salvaging my practice, you know, from fraudulent issues. So those are the things that you do. So that's, that's pretty awesome.
0: I'm very blessed to get to do it. Yeah. I really am. Every day, I thank God I get to do what I do.
1: And you know, one thing that that um that makes a very good point is for those that have that are run offices and they're building operations. You know, it's not a matter of how much money you're bringing in. You know. And there's a term that I had learned from a professional, a CDI professional, Glenn Krause. Uh, he makes a good point about the clean claim. You know, you can be billing for such services. You can say, well, I'm, I'm getting a higher reimbursement and I'm getting a lot of money. But then the real question is, you know, how much money is coming in your pocket? And with that being said, you know, that can create issues. There's a skewed data in that aspect if you're not including the fact of denials in your statistics.
0: That's very true. And there's yeah. another factor to consider, too. Am I doing this for the money or am I doing it for patient care? Yeah. I have yeah. fired clients that were doing things for the money and not doing mm. it for patient care. Right.
1: Right. Yeah, as Dr. Cesar Lemhoco says, the almighty dollar. <laughs> are you bowing down to it? Or is it really when you're going to medical school and becoming a physician, are you truly in it uh, you know, to abide by the Hippocratic Oath? You know, that's, that's pretty much the deal.
0: I really think that today we're finding more doctors going into the medical field, not for the money, because they've been hearing all the stories about the reduced income. Mm -hmm. Because they've been getting a lot of horror stories uh, Mm -hmm. from the AMA and AOA, American Osteopathic Association, and Mm -hmm. they've been basically shooting themselves in the foot, if you ask me, whenever they try to scare these doctors so much. But because of those scares, I think we're getting more doctors wanting to go into it for altruistic reasons than the, I'm going to get rich and have a big mansion, like we had back in the 70s and 80s. Yeah, Mm mm-hmm.
1: You know, I, th- I think that's true because especially in the 70s and even going back into the 60s, you know, there was an up until now. So, you know, I've mentioned this also with Dr. Uh, Cesar Lamhoco in his episode is the fact that you see now from a trend from back then, you know, when Medicare was was uh, originated back in the 1960s, 1966, and then up until now is a sense of accountability, you know. Uh, people are billing for whatever they want and nobody's telling them anything that they're doing it wrong. And now we're, <laughs> you got the couple years moving over forward, you know DRGs, certain billing forms and the, the recovery audit contractors, recovery audit program. Now you see more of a tightening of the belt per se because you know again, like you said, Medicare dollars are are tax dollars you know they're being used and they want to make sure that the Medicare trust fund is being utilized wisely.
0: Exactly. And see, it's interesting, too. Prior to 1989, uh, Medicare pretty well followed the commercial insurance trend. Whatever Blue Cross, Aetna, United, all those guys were doing, Blue, uh, Medicare would follow. Well, it was not until 1989 that Medicare started setting a trend whenever they came out and started limiting. They came out with what's called the limiting charge of how much doctors could actually charge Medicare patients. Whether or not they're participating or not participating, they dictated how much the doctor's income is going to be and how much out of pocket the patient is going to pay. And the private carriers sat up and said, What? You can limit commercial. You can limit private businesses on how much they can bill? And that's whenever the commercial carriers started coming out with their UCR letters to the patient saying, Your doctor's charging above UCR. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's what's, kind of what's UCR, by the usual, way? Usual, customary, and reasonable. And that was around the same time that Hillary Clinton started coming out and saying that all the doctors were committing or making too much profit. And the insurance carriers were basically coming out in the newspapers and sitting there saying, well, these doctors right here are charging too much. And they started driving a wedge between the patients and the doctors. And that's why the doctors ended up having to sign on with the insurance carriers, all the managed care plans, because otherwise they were afraid they'd lose their patients. And that's Medicare was the twin setter from that, and ever since then, whatever Medicare does, the commercial carriers follow suit the way they're doing with the annual wellness visits and the preventive care and the chronic care management and the commercial carriers are sitting there saying, hey, we want to do that too. And because Medicare is saving dollars in the long run by capturing things earlier rather than paying catastrophic prices later for catastrophic care, and the commercial carriers are following suit.
1: So 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 they're the ones who actually put the foot down and say, "Hey, we need to take control of our money." Yeah, pretty much exactly, yeah. and that's interesting.
0: That's, and, that's, and then a lot of doctors they don't realize that the recovery audit contractors uh, are basically commercial businesses that are bounty hunters, and just because they get a letter from a carrier saying you've been over you know billing this code too often, that doesn't mean that the doctor has been. And it doesn't mean the insurance carrier is right when they send the letter saying, doctor, you owe us money back. Most of the time they do not, especially if they're following the law, which we hadn't even discussed. But we might want to do another episode sometime on ERISA uh, and how that, that applies.
1: Yeah, and these are a lot of reimbursement methodologies, reimbursement talk. Definitely, that especially for those that are studying for other exam, this, this, this is something you need to to brush yourself up on because you know we only know from a care perspective, from a coding perspective, but what about the revenue cycle management process? And then afterwards, nobody ever thinks about that. So you know you have to understand the full wide spectrum. You know, from the time that the patient is receiving care up until the time that the, you receive the money, and even so, if you even have to return it back, you know there's a full wide spectrum that you have to understand. Now, you make a good point. Is is the bounty hunterism? I know one one association that is not happy with the recovery audit contractors is. Um, is actually the American Hospital Association and uh when I read on their website they 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 mentioned that you know the recovery audit program recovery audit program which contracts out recovery audit contractors which by the way are just third-party companies i'm not going to name who they are but (laughs) but you can find them on their website cms.gov okay because they always change them what every october right i think that's what it is they re-update their contracts um but anyways um the you know the American Hospital Association I think when I read it on their website they did say that they were calling them bounty hunters really because they are paid the people that they contract them out to pay are really there just to look out for issues like that to bring up issues and then you know it creates a whole bunch of stuff in terms of the you know sending out the denial letter and then I think most of the most of the activity is done in the denial process
0: Yes, it is. But unfortunately, a lot of times they are not following the rules when they send these out, and yet the doctor thinks automatically, oh, I owe the the $40,000 back, or I owe $80,000 back, when they really do not, if they question it and they know what they're doing.
1: Yeah, I think that's what they. I think that's what they're trying to do. Is they're trying to catch them on guard. Do you really know what you're doing? or Are you going to be naive? Well, you <laughs> and just say and just say, oh, okay. <laughs> we have an expression this money. here
0: in Texas: if you throw enough of it up against the wall, some of it's going to stick.
1: Yeah. Yeah, well, that's right.
0: And that's what they're doing. They'll hit these docs up to these high dollar amounts, and mm-hmm. then they'll come back and say, okay, doc, we're negotiate it. We'll negotiate it down. So instead of paying us $120,000, you owe us 60000 Where yeah. if you actually look at it and you go in and actually evaluate it, knowing what the rules are, you may find that the doctor might only owe $1,000. Right. But then they extrapolated it out. And the same thing with the commercial carriers. Commercial mm. carriers have been fined hundreds of millions of dollars. Mm. For recouping from doctors' offices illegally, and yet Mm. 96% of the doctors' offices don't even know that that's illegal for them to do so.
1: Yeah. Oh my gosh. You know, the at least with the billing and the reimbursement, there's a lot of rules, and I think it's highly important. You know, for anybody who's trying to go into this field to stay on top of it. I mean, I teach a course in reimbursement methodologies. And one of the assignments that I get is well, how important is for you is, is for you to stay on top of these guidelines and stay on top of these rules. Well, it's it's highly important because, you know, you can either be well, one thing that can be said is that <clears throat> they can take the rules, even though it's true but then they could alter it in such a way that it it's not used for you, but more used against you. Exactly. And you're you know, right. if you don't have that knowledge of, you know, the real way of using that type of regulation or that type of rule, well, then you're really going to get screwed.
0: And once you do know what the rules are, you find a lot of people don't even follow the rules.
1: Yeah, I mean, how many yeah.
0: times have doctors filed a claim, say, for instance, for an office visit and a lab test and a venipuncture, And the carrier comes back and doesn't pay for the venipuncture, and the doctor says, well, I guess that carrier doesn't pay for it. Well, Mm. what had happened is they may have been using a clearinghouse that scrubbed the venipuncture off, so the carrier that would have paid for the venipuncture Mm. never paid for it because they never saw that on the claim.
1: Yeah. Can you believe that? And that's just one claim. Can I imagine multiple claims?
0: All the time because the doctors are trusting this clearinghouse or they're trusting that coding program they have in their Mm. office that's Mm. downcoded them, and they don't realize that the – the algorithm used to come up with the coding algorithm was created by a company called. Uh, I won't name the name of the company, but yeah, a company course. owned by United Healthcare. And every time mm-hmm. that carrier gets uh, pays a claim that's down coded, that carrier saves money. Golly, I mean Just that happens claim, a right? lot. Literally yeah. every single day, and yeah. probably 80 percent of the medical offices out there.
1: Yeah, at least in our group, I mean, even though it's called Medical Coding Geeks, we we actually get billing questions. And one of the billing questions that we usually get is, well, you know, if I code this and that, why isn't the insurance payer, you know, accepting? And why are we getting a denial? Maybe because you don't, you know, I see that a lot. So can you imagine... You know, just one claim like that being multiplied all over the nation. I mean, damn, Don, you got yourself, you got some lot of work to do. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I guess you're right, definitely. But thankfully, with the Internet being out there, with Facebook and with, I have a listserv. I've got, I don't know, 1,300 people on since oh, nice. I've had 1996, I guess, is when I opened it. Mm-hmm. Just by putting the word out there through the Internet, we're educating people more and more. Now, sometimes mm-hmm. people argue with you, so you can't build that. And I'll sit here and say, show me something. Legal that says you can't build it. Well, here's a magazine article. No, that's not legal. <laughs> or this. Well, I went to a seminar and they taught me this right here. Well, I'm sorry, they gave you bad information. Mm-hmm. I mean, half the seminars you go to, you end up getting bad information. Seems right. like. Uh, and yeah. again, maybe I'm exaggerating, but it doesn't seem like that's an exaggeration to me.
1: Right. <laughs> you know, when I whenever I, I look at webinars or if I look at you know some type of article, you know, at least when I was in college. Um, I've always, I took a, what is it, a qualitative class? Qualitative in research or something like that. Uh And the instructor taught me, the the of something very valuable is always question what you read and uh, and, and in terms of trying to find the validity of it. And because of that, that really struck a chord with me because every time I read something, I said, Well, that sounds great. Then you really scrutinize it a little bit more. Or in actuality, not scrutinize it, but validate it. You know, is is the information that you're receiving valid? And of course then you have to go into the references and you really find you want to find the true ultima, ultimate ultimate underlying source now if it comes from <laughs> if it comes from a magazine <laughs> or a facebook post oh my god i'm just going to go flip out right here you know like i've seen those well you know this person on facebook said this i said well who's that person where do they get their information from you know it's a matter of again validity
0: You realize a company that was formed because of exactly what you just talked about has made a fortune called Snopes, S-N-O-P-E-S.
1: Yes, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Can you believe that? Maybe they took took the same course that I did back in college. Maybe that was
0: it. Maybe maybe y'all went to school together.
1: Yeah, maybe. We, yeah, I forgot the, the instructor's <laughs> name, but she did strike a chord, and I'm like, you know, that's that's true. You know, I have that's that's how everybody everything should be looked at. Is is you have to you know try to find out you know in a day where we in a in a in a situation where people are talking about fake news. You know, even with fake news, are is it real? Is it not? You know, you still still have to validate it at some point.
0: Well, one one rule of thumb I use that I, I repeat a lot is if anyone ever says you cannot do something, make them prove it.
1: Yeah, that's it there you go well show me
0: <laughs> if yeah, you exactly.
1: know it show me you know, show me where you got it from and then it, it, it shows a testament of like you know their validity in terms of their I'm sorry the word should be integrity uh, integrity of their research and their of their work you know
0: exactly anyway I appreciate you bringing all this right here up because so many people need to hear this
1: please take a moment and hear a word from our partners this podcast is brought to you by ziprecruiter.com In need of great talent for your business, but short on time, you don't have to get lost in a huge stack of resumes to find your perfect hire. You just need the right tools, smarter tools. With ZipRecruiter, you can post your job to over 100 of the web's leading job boards with just one click. You can even get a head start on the interview process by adding screening questions to your job posts to help identify the most qualified candidates so you don't have to waste your time sorting through a stack of resumes to find the perfect fit. Find out today why ZipRecruiter has been used by growing businesses of all sizes and industries to find the most qualified job candidates with immediate results. And right now, listeners of this podcast can post jobs on ZipRecruiter for free. That's right, free. Just go to ZipRecruiter.com slash MedicalCodingGeek. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash MedicalCodingGeek. One more time to try it for free, go to ZipRecruiter.com slash MedicalCodingGeek. This podcast is brought to you by the Haugen Consulting Group. The Haugen Consulting Group is your trusted partner in healthcare consulting, education, and auditing. They also believe fun is non-negotiable. Check out their popular Flip Bits. It's a great hands-on resource. I have one for ICD-10 PCS coding, and it's great. Listeners of this podcast will receive a 15% discount if you use the promo code GEEK15. Again, that's G-E-E-K-1-5. If you go to thehaugangroup.com slash shop. Again, for your 15% discount, use our promo code G-E-E-K-1-5 at www.thehaugangroup.com slash shop. This podcast is brought to you by accessadoctor.com. Access a doctor when you need it most. How would you like to have quick and easy access to licensed doctors 24 hours a day, 7 days a week? Instead of scheduling an appointment to see a doctor or going to the emergency room or urgent care, you simply make one phone call and a doctor will provide you with a consultation, diagnose your medical problem, and even call in a prescription to your local pharmacy. Some of the conditions that can be treated using accessadoctor.com include cold and flu symptoms, sinus infections, urinary tract infections, allergies, skin infections or rashes, and even eye and ear infections. Listeners of this podcast can get a discount on their single and family membership plans by going to accessadoctor.com and using our promo code GEEK, that's G-E-E-K, upon signing up. Again, that's accessadoctor.com. And the promo code is GEEK, G-E-E-K. This podcast is brought to you by RadRx. RadRx is your prescription for accurate coding and reimbursement. RadRx offers interventional and diagnostic coding, consulting, auditing, webinars, trainings, and resource materials. Medical Coding Geek and Not also Classified followers will receive a 10% discount. You can go to shop.radrx.com and use our promo code GEEK10 to claim your 10% discount. Again, use promo code GEEK10 when you go to shop.radrx.com. Yeah, no, no, right. I mean... Um, because you've been doing it for 36 years, I'm sure you've, you've seen a lot of this stuff. And of course, this is going into what drives, you know, what you do today. You like that segment like that segue into <laughs> into what you're doing and uh, as a, you know, what you do with RVing. So Let's talk about that because okay. that's the you know even though I appreciate all the information you gave about our know, reimbursement methodology. excited about the
0: RVing I can I, I'm
1: really it. more excited about the <laughs> RVing because uh to me like you know you see this a lot today is where people have the ability to take their work and go anywhere, especially in terms of technology today, wireless technology, internet technology, uh, computer technology, uh, even RV technology. I'm sure that has been improved since then. You know, you see the idea of a mo- of a mobile uh, mobility type of lifestyle. And when you told me, like you told me exactly what you do, I was just in awe. I'm like, I'm staring into the sky again. I'm like, I could do this. <laughs> you, know? you definitely
0: could in your business line. You definitely could.
1: Yeah. There is nothing
0: that's keeping you tied to South, South Florida.
1: Man, yeah, right? G- give me an example.
0: My mom passed away in the, at the end of November of it, uh, November, uh, end of 2006, and in January of 2007, my wife and I rented a house in Florida and spent a month on the beach. Uh, we just rented it there, took our two dogs, and while I was there, I kept doing my work from the internet and from my phone. And when we came back home, it wasn't two weeks later we bought our first, big RV that we wanted to get on the road and just travel. So we bought an RV, emptied out our house, put it up for sale, and started traveling. And uh, did not sell the house because that was during the crash, and I'm glad because we still need the house. But now we probably travel, I don't know, five, six months a year around the country. And we've progressed to the point where I have little Internet Wi-Fi. Uh, my Fi, I believe it's called, in the RV. I've got uh, my computer in there. She's got her computer in there. Uh, I do, I pull over on the side of the road at a rest area and get on and do a Zoom call or go to a meeting call with a client. I've gotten pulled over in a state park as long as I got a good signal and taught a webinar online from that. And we go everywhere from Maine to California. In fact, we just we just spent a few months back uh, on the north rim of the Grand Canyon uh, because the OV has a 125-gallon freshwater tank, and I've got a 30-gallon uh, generator gas tank from a 5-kilowatt generator. And so we can spend a week out there away from everybody else, just miles away from everybody else, as long as I have Internet and a phone signal. So there's nothing limiting us.
1: So this brings up to the next question is, you know, what is it for those that are interested, including myself, <laughs> you know, Okay. what should be your checklist uh, to, I guess, be able to do a mobile lifestyle and, I guess, to do your work on top of that, to connect it
0: both? First off is you need to make sure that you have a spouse that's on board with it. <laughs> <laughs>
1: That's correct. Yes. (laughs) Full support. Yes. I
0: am totally blessed in that regard because my wife enjoys traveling as much as I do. And like I said, while I'm traveling, while I'm working, she's usually making quilts for the kids because we we do camps for for abused foster children. Uh, And so she's quilting and she's having a great time and we we enjoy traveling together. That's number one. Make sure your spouse is on board with it. Two, make sure if you're self-employed that. Uh, You have enough business to be able to support it. Now, you really don't want to just do like we did and put your house up for sale and run off and start traveling because after a while, you're going to find out we need a home to come back to. We need a, a place to be able to come back to for family. Uh, so that's that's what I would do is make sure that you're going to be okay with that. If you're working for another company and they offer you the opportunity to do it, you can live pretty inexpensively on the road, very inexpensively. I mean, generally I think staying in an RV park, as long as you've got your own RV, is around $300 a month in most RV parks unless you go out to California where it's like $150 a night.
1: Wow.
0: <laughs> wow. Well, like Washington, D.C. I, I, we were visiting Washington, D.C. I had a, some meetings there to go, attend to, uh, and we we stayed at one place. So it was like $200 a night, but it was about Holy four more. miles outside of the city. Uh-huh. But most places around, you know, anywhere from $6 a night to $30 a night, and that depends on, again, your hookups. Uh, do you need black water tanks? Uh, I mean, hookup, do you need water, or do you got enough water on board? And so, but we prefer, like I said, just kind of uh, being on our own and start small, figure out what's comfortable for you before you go out and spend a hundred thousand or $200,000 on an RV. I think one of the, one RV, I think we spent $20,000 on cash and and we, we use that one and probably put, I don't know, probably 25,000 miles on it going back and forth around the country.
1: Wow. 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 So of course, yes. wife support is numero i didn't think about that but yes you you can't just say well we're gonna go right now on an rv let's go and
0: you don't walk home say honey i got a surprise just sitting out the driveway and she says what
1: oh my gosh
0: this has got to be a decision y'all make together so let me comes, let me ask you did,
1: did it did, did it take did it take much convincing for to, to your wife um, to to make that happen?
0: Not at all, none, no, none. Her oh, parents have been RVers full time RVers. Ah, okay. And so we were familiar with the RV lifestyle from them. Now the thing is, with an RV, you do have all of the mechanical complications that you have with a vehicle as well as all of the mechanical complications you have with your home. So if one goes out, you pretty well wiped out both. We've had one O V we bought. We had five blowouts within the first four weeks of travel. Then found out that the RV manufacturer had put the axle on backwards. <clears throat> and that's why we were going through tires like crazy. And then we've had the back end almost fall off of an RV. I've had a, let me see, a gray water tank come off while we were driving down the highway one time. Oh gosh! So it's if you've never seen the movie RV with Robin Williams, I highly recommend you go see that movie okay. before you ever decide to do this lifestyle.
1: I'll put I'll put that in the show notes. <laughs> for real, <laughs> you're RVing, right? So, what does your typical day look like when you're doing this?
0: Well, being self-employed, it depends on whether or not how many appointments I have scheduled. Uh, let's say that I I'm RVing on a traveling up to, for instance. Um, Tennessee to do an annual webinar. I an annual live seminar I do for the uh, AAPC chapter up there in eastern Tennessee. Uh, yeah, eastern Tennessee. Uh, we may be staying at right beside the Mississippi River. Get up in the morning, have some breakfast, and uh, I do a couple of uh, meetings online with clients and answer some emails. Get on the road and drive about three or four hours. Get to another location, get set up. It normally takes us about 30 minutes to get set up. And I try not to drive more than four hours in a day. I'm not in a big rush. And I normally drive about five to seven miles an hour under the speed limit because when you're pulling a big RV that's 13 and a half feet high and weighs, you know, 20,000 pounds, it's like pulling a billboard. You, every mile an hour faster you go is a mile an hour, mile per hour, uh, mile per gallon reduction. Ah, like.
1: got it. Okay.
0: Because I normally average around eight and a half to nine miles a gallon. Mm. Pulling oh. an RV.
1: <laughs> wow. <laughs>
0: <God>. <laughs> That's something you have to take into consideration. Yes.
1: You know? And when yeah. we were out
0: in California for a couple of years, a few years back, and it was $5.10 a gallon for diesel. Oh, gosh. And you're sitting there saying, okay, if I'm going to go you know, 25 miles, well, i just
1: use $15 worth of gasoline. Yeah. Oh, wow. So there definitely is a, I guess, an opportunity cost. Yes, there is. When you're thinking about, you know, <laughs> living at home versus RVing. So that definitely, yeah, that's something to consider as well. Gosh, eight, eight to nine miles. Yeah, out. a lot of
0: people, they start freaking out when you're looking at eight to nine miles. And you look at these big RVs going down the highway, the big, uh, A class A motorhome, a 40-foot motorhome you see and going down the road and you sit there and look at them. wow, they can make coffee while they're driving and they can take a nap while they're driving and cook supper while they're driving and stuff. Yeah, but you're doing it at a cost because you're probably getting around six miles a gallon in that big thing.
1: So I guess that makes a good point is the fact that you need to have clientele, you know, in, in setting of that. Yes. So, um, and you mentioned you have good connections. So, you know, does that is that highly important to make sure you have a good connection base to ensure that you're continuing this type of lifestyle?
0: It really is. I'll uh, give you an example. Another person I know that's a consultant out of Cal, uh, she lives out of uh, Vegas, but the, she and her husband travel a lot. Um, he has Verizon. She has AT&T. So that way if he gets a spot where he's got a dead spot, you might have a signal and vice versa where Angie and I, my wife and I've had AT&T since well back before it was AT&T when it was singular, before it was that, when it was Southwestern Bell, you
1: know. That was my first, um, that was my first uh, (laughs) mobile plan, uh, singular. Yeah.
0: And even before that, when it was Southwestern Bell, I mean, you know, a long time I've had AT&T, this signal out here and we use AT&T and get a signal most places around the country. Yeah. When we're, If I know that I've got to teach a webinar and I get to an RV park or I get to a uh, campground or a state park or a national park, because we love traveling in Utah to national parks and just being away from everything, if I find I don't have a signal, well, it's time to move on down the road a little bit because I've got a webinar I've got to teach this afternoon at 2 o'clock, so I need to get where I can have a signal or something like that. And so you have to take that into consideration as well.
1: Now, do you do it? Do you do all your business in the RV, or do you like like do you go to like other places? Like, do you go like a coffee shop or a mobile hotspot or something like that?
0: No, pretty much I've done them all in the RV. I haven't had to go, go try to find a Starbucks or anything like that if I'm not at home. You know, at home here I've got one gigabyte speed on uh, cable, but when I'm out on the road, I have to. you, know, you also need to make sure whether or not <clears throat> with my files and you're traveling around and you're. Uh, doing the speaking and the webinars and stuff, but you're also uh, watching TV off of the Internet and stuff like that, which we do a lot of times, you may find that you max out on your 20-gigabyte plan and go to 50-gigabyte or 70-gigabyte. Now we're spending $300 a month for Internet. So those are the kind of things you have to take into consideration as well because I usually do not use anyone else's Internet. I don't trust hooking up my computer on the the state park of the of the parks internet. Uh, I just I'm I spent 12 years working in in the United States Navy under the director of uh, direction of the National Security Agency. I was a cryptographer, and I know that there is no such thing as a secure phone call. There's no such thing as a secure email. Uh, they, trust me, there's no code that can't be broken.
1: Right. Oh, that's interesting. Well, that's another podcast within itself. <laughs> <laughs> Talking about the Navy, gosh. Um, you mentioned some struggles. What are some some like, What were the worst struggles that you've had in in doing RVing? Uh,
0: unexpected breakdowns. I was on my way up to do a seminar in Indiana, and the rear end of my truck went out, and I had to pull over in a small town, uh, and they had to order parts. So the parts were going to be three days coming in, and but and then I had to weigh the fact: okay, do I jump on a plane to fly up to indiana and teach that seminar or do uh can we get this part done or do i just rent a truck and drive up there or a car and drive up there and do it and then so those are the kind of things you have to take into consideration when you're yeah. traveling is the breakdowns or you may find that you get stuck in weather we were up in ohio <laughs> one time uh and it turned winter and uh the uh, the truck froze and the RV froze and oh, wow. we were the only campers. We were the only people in this one RV park that was owned by Amish family. It was hilarious because this Amish family would come over and bring us cookies every day, fresh cookies. And <laughs> That's nice. and will tell you one thing: we sure ate good up there in that area. But sometimes you got to The weather is going to play a, a havoc with you when you're traveling. So you have to weigh that and never be in a big, too much of a hurry.
1: Now you mentioned you wanted to go to Alaska. Is that still a thought?
0: Oh yeah, we're still talking about taking the RV up to Alaska. We'll probably leave out in April, or well, probably the end of March before we leave here, and then work our way up there and cross into Canada around April, and then. But we have to leave there by September uh, because you got to be back before the frost hits, uh, because it really buckles the roads, from what I hear. And it's you always want to make sure when you're going to do something like that, you carry in extra fuel, extra tires, extra batteries. Uh, because a trip like that's a, a long trip, but we're looking forward to it.
1: No, I bet because you, when you mention that, I'm like Alaska. That sounds <laughs> sounds like again envious, you know, and like to drive into that. So, speaking of that, what? So, out of all your travels, how long? Have, how long have you been doing RVing for? Uh, again? Well,
0: we started around 2000, so we had our wow. first RV back so, around 2000. So, a so long time. Cool.
1: So seven, so almost seventeen, eighteen years. So out of those, out of that time, what was the most interesting place that you went?
0: Oh wow, good choice. Uh, there's so many different choices on that one. Like, okay,
1: uh, let's let's do this. How about your top three?
0: I would say the redwoods in Northern California is one of my favorite places. It's just the, the weather there's always so beautiful there, when you go there, and the trees, it smells. Uh, there is a uh, RV park just sitting on the edge of the Mississippi in West Memphis, Arkansas, right across the river from Memphis, Tennessee. It's one of my favorites because sit right there and just watch the barges go up and down the river is amazing. Uh, there's a place in eastern Kentucky at the land between the lakes uh, mm-hmm. that's just amazing. I guess out of everything though, I would sit here and say. On the north rim of the Grand Canyon, there's a place that you have to know how to get there, and it's not easy to maneuver a big 43-foot RV back in there, but there's a place on the eastern rim where you can park the RV, if you're careful, about three or four feet from the edge of the cliff, and just sit there and look out over the, the canyon. It's amazing.
1: Yeah. No, I guess it's a peaceful moment, and you... You appreciate, you know, like most of us, we, you know, we live the cubicle lifestyle, right? We're just stuck in the office. And so to have that opportunity to see the world from a bigger, huge view, you can get an appreciation of what you're doing in the world, right? And then uh, appreciation of, you know, that you're part of all of this. And so I guess because of that, it helps you, I guess, I'm sure, you know, appreciate what you're doing and what you need to do and where you need to go, you know, especially with all of these tours that you're trying to do uh, in these seminars and sessions and webinars uh, for reimbursement.
0: Well, Brian, I want you to close your eyes for just a minute. And imagine you're sitting out in the middle of a forest with beautiful sky above you, a little few cloud, light clouds up there. And you got a campfire going right in front of you mm-hmm. and you're on the phone doing what you're doing right this minute.
1: Yeah. That's that's the that's what I did when you, <laughs> you told me. <laughs> that's what I did when you told me, you know, when you I think you said you were in I think yeah, you were in Texas or something. You mentioned the Grand Canyon. I actually closed my eyes when we were talking I, I looked at it you mentioned campfire In actuality, you showed me a video which which hopefully we can show it on the um on the show notes is you showed me the there's a video of you showing the rv i closed my eyes and then you know i'm i'm looking you know, you mentioned oh the video, right. So the video you were showing and you showed me the video and you showed the interior, you showed the you know, everything that goes around, how it works, but then what you did, what really mattered was the view that you had. And then you said, "Well, this is my view," and I'm like, "Oh my gosh!" <laughs> <laughs> I did that
0: and then, another time. I climbed yeah, up and, and, top then, uh, of and then and then and I sit there and took my camera and panned all the way around, and there was nobody within 25 miles of us on top that of the That was mountain.
1: it. Yeah, that was it. And um, <laughs> uh, you said, "Oh, this is gonna be my," and, you know, you had a nice layout. You know, I guess under the awning of the entrance, uh, you would have the chairs. You had, a, you said, "Well, I'm gonna have a campfire tonight." I'm like, "Who the who in the heck has that on a <laughs> regular basis?" You know, I'm gonna have a campfire. You know, no, I'm gonna sit in my in my bedroom. No, there's a difference. I mean, the the, the fact that you know, from from your lifestyle to everybody else's lifestyle, you can just, you know you can find the reason why you know that people can be envious. And so um, the reason why, again, I'm having you on this podcast is because perhaps this is some alternative outside the box, something not elsewhere classified uh, that people can be open up
0: to. Well, visiting nurses, by the way, have been doing this for years. You yeah. find a lot of visiting nurses at these at these campgrounds.
1: Yeah, yeah, the travel nurses. Yes, the travel
0: nurses. That's it. That's it. Travel mm-hmm. nurses. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. They've yeah. been so doing they that for do that years, too. so they've they've picked up on that and passed the word around. And there's no reason why remote coders can't do the same thing, remote consultants or people doing exactly what you're doing could Podcasting. not do it. Your God, own lifestyle. Yeah.
1: Golly! So, I need to
0: warn your wife that you may be visiting an OEV park, to, an OIV store yeah, tomorrow. No. Okay, I better yeah, talk to her.
1: No, I, I am. I said <laughs> I, I might, I like, you know, because because of this, there it opens the door a lot, where you know I can go, you know, to the AHIMA conference and just interview a bunch of people there. I can go to the AAPC conference. Uh, which is coming up even in Orlando, I think next year. I can go there, or I can go to the ACDIS conference and talk to people there. I can go to the HFMA conference and talk to people there. You know, not from an RV perspective, but just the fact of traveling to different areas to get what your work done. You know, and the fact that you're mobile. You all you need. I mean, for me, I just need a phone, an internet connection, computer, that's and it. my microphones, and that's it. You know that's your business, and you know that when you mentioned the fact of what you do, it opened, it opened the opportunities at least for this podcast. Which I'm hoping, you know, in the coming you know uh, years and to come, that it'll definitely be something big. But you know, you at least opened my eyes to that. I'm like, this is well, this thanks. is something that I can I'm, do. Yeah,
0: I'm glad I was able to help you. in some Yeah, regard. yeah, really? no, I
1: appreciate that a lot. So. Well, we reached the very,
0: <laughs> we reached the part,
1: <laughs> we reached the end of our uh, podcast again. Don, thank you. Before we finish, I do have a few questions. Okay. Um, so, what does the future hold for Don Self and, of course, Don Self and Associates?
0: Well, I'm going to continue doing this as long as God leaves me on the face of the earth. I mean, a, a couple of months ago, I had a heart attack, and I, uh, I really didn't. Uh, you know, I was very blessed that I didn't get to uh, that. I got to continue to doing what I'm doing. Uh, So I just want to continue doing this as long as I can, as long as God allows me to. And then whenever he's ready to take me home, then I will, because I'll probably die someday just traveling down the road or standing up and doing a seminar because I love what I do.
1: Hopefully, hopefully it's it's in a time where you're just sitting in a place on the fire, you know, on the on a campfire, and then you know you're being called home. That that would be perfect, you know, like okay, I'm ready to go as long as I got my campfire set well. and a nice view of the world. That'd be perfect.
0: Well, it was like a couple of months ago when I had the heart attack, and I'm laying there in the gurney, and the, and the cardiologist said I'm going to take you into the cath lab, and there's a possibility you won't be coming out because you're in the middle of a massive heart attack. And I said, if I don't come out, I'm in the arms, of, I'm in heaven with Jesus, and if I'm okay. And if I don't, if I do come out, I'm okay. So whatever happens what is okay, Doc. Don't yeah. worry. Yeah,
1: yeah. So <laughs> my next question, and thank you, Don, is – uh, what final words? And you mentioned a lot of words, a lot of things, and we talked about reimbursement. That was unexpected, and the credential, that was unexpected, uh, but, um, which is good. I like the spontaneity. <laughs> good. <laughs> <laughs> and the thing that I didn't record earlier, and now we're redoing it, but I think this take two is actually pretty nice. Uh, what final words do you have to share with our audience? What, what best words of advice can you give?
0: My best words of advice is never let money become your God. Always make sure that you're doing a good job, doing the best job you can for your clients, whoever they may be. And get your priorities right. If you get your priorities right, you'll have all kinds of blessings in this life. Just don't let work ever be your God. Don't let money ever be your God. Put your family first, put God first, put your family next. And uh, always be true to yourself. It was like a question I asked on one of uh, on the medical coding geeks a poll I asked if you know something's not right to do, uh, don't do it. You know, but as far as when it comes to your future goes, don't let anybody put you into a box. Only you control your future right here with God's help. Just if you believe that you can do it, then apply yourself, study, do it. Don't let anybody hold you down. That's my that's
1: my final word on it, buddy. Well, Don, thank you for being part of the podcast. You can check out Don Self by going to his website, donself.com. You can also find him on Facebook. That should be Don Self and Associates on Facebook. And you can also find Don Self on LinkedIn. Make sure you go to his website. Again, that's donself.com. One place that you can go to is on the website is the webinar section he has a lot of free mini webinars uh he's definitely uh, been talking about lately arisa so you can definitely check out these free three to 12 minute uh, webinars and those are for again (laughs) for free Uh, i can't stress that enough because we all love free and as part of the bonus content i want to leave you with uh, i left a video he shared with me that i did mention in the podcast and i also left a recent photo he shared with me uh, showing me where he currently is uh, and the view that he sees Not Elsewhere Classified is presented and produced by Medical Coding Geek. Music was brought to you by 43 and Coyote Hearing. Medical Coding Geek offers tutoring and media services for the medical coding, health information, and CDI community. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at MED Coding Geek. That's M-E-D Coding Geek. You can also find us on our website, medicalcodinggeek.com, where you can find and listen to all the podcast episodes plus the show notes from today. Make sure to subscribe and rate us on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and Google Play. You would definitely appreciate it. And again, thank you for being part of this podcast. I'm your host, Brian Quee, and you have just listened to Not Elsewhere Classified. MedicalCodingGeek.com This podcast is supported by Weebly.com. Have a product? Building a company? You'll need a website. Create your site with Weebly's drag-and-drop website builder and responsive themes without any technical experience. Believe me, I built my website in under 30 minutes. It really is that easy. Listeners of this podcast will receive a ten percent discount on any Weebly subscription plan or promote plan. To get this discount, go to Weebly. That's w e e b l y dot Geek dot com. Again, that's Weebly dot dot com. Let's do it all over again. All right. <laughs> so, Brian, we can just start all. We over again, can start all over again. So let's let's take two. So for those that are listening, I mean we had to start all over. <laughs> so I was okay, I was actually buddy. looking down at the at the timer. I said, How much time is this? And I'm like, Oh, it's not it's zero <laughs> <laughs>